Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Take your Bibles out and turn to Psalm 1. I understand Pastor Aaron crushed it here again as usual last week. And uh, we learned some things last week. Uh, we're learning about myths. Myths that, uh, that we've taken out of context. We take scripture and what happens is if we're not careful, we will pull that scripture out of context to say what we want it to say. We want to hear something in a certain way and so we kind of play with the scripture. We misuse it. We take things out of context. And by the way, out of context means you don't take into effect what's said before the verse and what's after the verse and what's in that chapter and what's in that book and what the author is trying to say. And we simply grab a text or a scripture that we want to hear that sounds good to us and we pull it out of the Bible and we make it say what we want it to say. I think last week we began to talk about it is important what you believe, what your doctrine is. Is it based on the word of God? Are our beliefs correct? There's a saying, it doesn't matter what you believe, just so long as you're sincere, just so long as you have a lot of love, somehow everybody's going to get to heaven. I want to tell you, the Bible doesn't say that. Today we're going to look at another expression or another saying that, that, that we've heard often, that God wants me to be happy. Boy, we like that one, don't we? Trouble is, it's not biblical. So we're going to take a look at that this morning. So take your Bibles out, turn to Psalm 1, let's stand together. We need to get it right. If we don't get it right, we'll be heading down the wrong path. So let me read this psalm to you. Let's look at it together. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish." Let us pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. Your word is truth. I pray you'll open up our minds, our understanding to receive what you have for us today. We thank you for your sweet presence that is already here. We thank you that we can come before you today. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to say to us this morning. And we give you all glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' holy, mighty name. Amen and amen. Turn to someone, tell them they survived, and then you may... Be seated. Korean airline flight 007 departed from Anchorage, Alaska on October the 31st, 1983. There was a direct flight navigational system that contained a one and a half degree routing error. One and a half degrees off from the time of takeoff. They left at the point of departure. The mistake was unnoticeable. Even as far as 100 miles out, they could still not discern that they were off course. 
that they weren't on the intended route they were supposed to be on, that they were off course in some way or another. But as that giant 747 continued through the Aleutians over the Pacific, the error was picked up by Soviet radar. Jets were scrambled for the intercept over mainland Russia. Flight 007 was shot out of the sky. All aboard were lost. A small course error, a one and a half degree error at departure resulted in a tragic trajectory and a devastation finish. One and a half degrees off course. You see, it matters the choice we choose in life. It matters which direction we go. It matters the the path we take along the way. And the psalm I read to you just a few moments ago presents two navigational systems that we can choose from. He talks about the way of the righteous or the way of the wicked. And we have a choice. And, And whatever direction we choose, whatever direction we choose to follow will have potentially devastating results. Now he opens up this verse. He says, blessed is the man. Everybody say blessed. The word blessed literally means happy. Happy is the man, blessed, happy. In verse number three, it's, it uses the word prosper. And so we read those words, we read blessed, we read happy, we read prosper, and we think, great, God wants me to prosper, God wants me to be happy, and we assume those things, and, and they're, they're correct assumptions, but there are something greater in life that God has for us, and if we get it out of order, we will get messed up, we'll get off course, and it can lead to destruction. It's it's interesting how that every generation tends to critique the former generation or the latter generation. And so I come from the boomer generation. How many boomers we got in here? You were born post-war, you're after the boomers, and uh, that's our generation. It was the known as the me generation. We ushered in the sexual revolution. We we ushered in the the, the hippie generation, the drug generation, and we brought all that on ourselves. It was followed by the Gen Xers. How many Gen Xers do we have in the house today? That's your generation. That's the generation that that just kind of takes it even a little bit further and now we are in the millennial generation all the millennials raise your hand today we got millennials all over the place and the millennials and and we and we tend to think that each generation gets worse and worse and worse but but the reality is it's been about the me generation since the 60s 70s and all the way up through where we are today Now what happens is many of the me generation, they've gotten saved and they've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and we're all excited about that. But if we are not careful, we will simply baptize our egocentrism until we still think the gospel is all about me. And so before it might have been life was all about me and I am at the center of my universe, but now because we are products of the me generation, the self-fulfilled generation, the self-actualized generation, that we believe everything exists for my own good. And we simply now have turned that into now Jesus exists for my own good. We sing that song, there's a song, a beautiful praise song, says the heart of worship is the title of the song. And we have that line in there, it's all about you, Jesus, all about you, Jesus, all about you. And we sing that song and it sounds very, very good. It's all about Jesus as long as I'm in a service that I like. 
And it's all about Jesus as long as I'm in a building I like. And it's all about Jesus as long as I'm with people that I like. It's all about Jesus if it's the music I like. And it's all about Jesus if it's the lengths of service that I like. And somehow we have taken, it's all about you, Lord. And we've always turned it inward until it ultimately becomes all about me. And if it doesn't make me happy, if it's not to my taste, if it's not to my liking, we check out or move on. At some point in this generation, we have taken the words, take up the cross and follow me, and we've changed it to come to Jesus and he'll make your life better. And so we take those words that Jesus said, if any man would be my disciple, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross, let him come after me, to the appeal now has been, if you will come to Jesus Christ and you will give your life to him, your life will become a whole lot better. Now, I don't want to infer that God wants you to be unhappy. So don't take it to the next logical conclusion and say, well, God wants me to be unhappy. That's not what I'm saying. But I will tell you what the point I'm trying to make is there is something much deeper than your own personal happiness at the moment. If we believe that God's main function is to make me happy, then if I don't feel happy at the moment, we deduce that somehow God has failed me. Or God's word is not true. So if I believe the axiom that God wants me happy, if I'm not happy, God let me down, or God's word is not true. Hmm. The problem with that belief is it leads to two false assumptions, and I want to give them to you very quickly. The first is simply this. If God wants me happy, then I can do whatever I want to do. I can do anything because, after all, what makes me happy is right, and what makes me unhappy then is wrong. Now follow me here. If God wants me happy, then what makes me happy must be right, and what makes me unhappy must be wrong. And here's the problem with that. I begin to determine what is right or wrong based on how I feel, not on the absolute truth of God's word. Amen. So this makes me happy. It must be right. Because after all, doesn't God want me happy? You, you see the problem with that logic? The second thing, if, if God wants me happy, then I will avoid pain and discomfort in any way possible. Now, now listen to me. Now follow me close here. Because God wants me happy and pain doesn't make me happy. Therefore, if I am in pain or I am suffering in any way, I must be outside the will of God. Now, no one's shouting me down. This is as quiet as you. Thank you. If God doesn't want me to suffer, therefore if I'm sick in body, or if I'm poor, or if I'm not wealthy, or if I'm going through a trial or a test, it must be the devil. Devil, oh, he's a bad, bad man out there. And we blame everything on the devil. Everything that happens in our life negative, it's the devil's fault. He becomes the fall guy for every trial and test we go through in life. 
Or if, the, if I'm sick in body, or if I go through a financial reversal, you must not have enough faith. Boy, if you had enough faith, you never get sick, buddy. You had enough faith, you'd always be wealthy. You'd have a Cadillac in your driveway. You'd have a mansion on the hilltops. Listen, let me tell you something. God didn't say that. And if you bought into this hyper prosperity, health, faith, whatever you want to call it, movement, if you bought into that, it becomes a me-centered gospel that God exists to make me happy. And God did not say that. And yet it's still a myth perpetuated in church after church after church all across America. Now, there's a couple major flaws with that train of thought. What if what makes me happy is really bad for me? You ever think about that? In other words, if, if, if I want your car and that car makes me happy, I can just take your car or go in debt to buy one just like it. The, the, the problem is that doesn't work. The price tag of happiness is usually at the expense of others. Let me say that again. The price tag of happiness is usually at the expense of others. It, 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 so that, that's the main fallacy of it, is it, uh, if, if it, really, it may be bad for you. That thing that may make you happy is not good for you. Drugs may make you happy, but they can be very bad for you. Amen. The second problem with this whole train of thought is it simply does not line up with Scripture. It doesn't line up with the truth of the Word of God. Now, now let, let me talk to you a little bit Almost every biblical hero has expressed great times of hardship in their own lives. They went through times of suffering, times of heartache, times of loss, times of pain, times of suffering. You, you go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is kind of the who's who of faith. And he describes all these characters in the word of God who were great men and women of faith. And, and it was about the faith that brought them through the trial and through the test. And some of them, it didn't even come in their own lifetime. Let me just give you some quick examples. And, then, and I'll tell you what, get, get your little personal devices out or your Bibles out. This scripture came to me this morning, and so it's not in your notes. It's not on the screen. But I want you to turn to Hebrews 11, 1135. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a whole story of heroes of faith, but every one of them were challenged along the way. And all of these guys were not happy many, many times in their lifetime. Abel was killed. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. I'm sure he wasn't happy when Cain was hitting him over the back of the head with a rock out in the middle of the field. Okay, Abel. Uh, Noah is listed. I can imagine Noah building that ark. Some of you thought you were gonna have to build, get your ark construction out this week. Wasn't that bad down here. We, they needed some arks in North Carolina, but not here. But anyway, Noah builds an ark, and everybody makes fun of Noah, and they laugh at Noah, and they reject him, and they reject his word. They reject the message of righteousness. And so Noah virtually is saved by himself with his family alone. I'm sure when he's working on that ark, he wasn't happy. 
Abraham, the Bible says he wandered in a land that he knew not, that would not, he, he was a wonder all the time. He was a stranger wandering around looking for a land. And there came a time when he was tested and called to offer up his only son, Isaac, on an altar. I'm sure when that command came from the Lord Jesus Christ, he was not happy. Okay? Jacob is deceived. Joseph is thrown in prison. Moses, the Bible says he chose to be mistreated and suffer disgrace rather than enjoy the pleasures of Egypt and the palace. It's not, it's not happy being rejected. Turn to Hebrews 11. Let's, let's look at it together. Hebrews 11. Let's pick it up with verse number 35. Got it. it. says there, women received back their dead, raised to life again. That's the good news. Others were tortured, refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. I don't read happy, 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 happy there. They were stoned. They were sold in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and in goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. See, if someone tells you when you get sick you don't have faith, just take them to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 39. Yet none of them received what they had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together we would be made perfect. We would, uh, with us, they, would they be made perfect. In other words, God had planned something better. God had something better, and God has something better in store than your own personal happiness. And so there are times that God will allow us to experience things that don't always make us happy because God is something to, wanting to do something greater in our lives than our own happiness. He wants you to find your eternal purpose in Christ Jesus, and your purpose is greater than your happiness. God sees more than you do. He sees what you need. He knows what you need. He knows what's best for us. And sometimes he will allow things that sacrifice our happiness to draw out his eternal purpose from the inside. We, uh, I like sports. You guys like to watch sports and watch football, watch basketball, whatever sport it may be, and you see the glory, and you see the slam dunks, and you see the home runs going over the fence, and you see all the amazing catches. What you don't see is the hours and hours and hours of work they put in to get there. They didn't just automatically wake up and they're a superstar. They took millions of shots at the basketball goal. They hit millions of balls in the infield. They, and, and a musician, you see a, a musician who just plays so beautifully. They didn't get there just when they woke up one day and said, I want to be a piano player. They practiced hours and hours and hours. And it wasn't always happy and it wasn't always fun, but they were discovering the purpose that they had in life to do. 
their talent, their gift, whatever it might be. Entrepreneurs and business owners, we see their fame and success along the way, but we don't see the sacrifices they had to make to get there. And so many, they gave up their time and they, they invested hundreds and thousands of dollars to get their business where it needs to be and they were sacri- taken away from their family often and some of those guys went through even bankruptcies or financial setbacks or failures before they reached what they thought would be the pinnacle of success. Parents, we deny our kids all the candy they want because that's not good for them. When I was a kid, we used to go out a little trigger-treating. Man, I would come home, I would have a bag of candy so full and because I, 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 I was getting free food, man, and I was hitting every house in every block in every neighborhood uh, and we poured that candy out on the floor and we wanted to dive in and start eating. And mom and dad said, no. Choose one. <laughs> Saying, all oh, this candy, come on. One, I work for five hours hitting every house in a 10 mile radius, one piece of candy. But see, my mom and dad knew what was best for me. And so it is with our heavenly father. We want, we want, we want, we want, and there are times God says no because I have a greater purpose for your life. Mm. So, So the question for us this morning to wrestle with is how do we know the difference? How do I know when I can enjoy moments of happiness without feeling guilty about that? Don't misread this and say God wants me to be miserable. You've missed it. And how do I discern when when there are times when I'm not happy? How do I know to get through that with faith and perseverance? How how can I discern and how do I know the difference? I'm going to give you two very practical things today. Two reasons there will be time that God will not choose your happiness over your purpose. And number one, get this down. We're going to go to Psalm 1 now. It says, when it is wrong or unwise. When it's wrong or unwise. Now look what it says in Psalm 1. Let me read that to you again. Blessed or happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. You will be blessed if you don't. You'll be happy if you don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. We are all called on a journey. We're called on a journey in following Christ and following God, and we can choose in which path we're going to walk on. We can choose to walk in the path of the wicked or the counsel of the wicked, or I can choose to walk in the counsel of God, in the word of God. There's three verbs here. You'll see them in just a moment. You'll see walk, stand, and sit. Okay, so look at those very carefully. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or second verb, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. Walk, how do I walk in the counsel of the wicked? Whenever my feelings or my emotions or the advice of my friends is inconsistent with God's word, then I am presented with the counsel of the wicked. If what I hear in my mind, if what I hear from friends, if what I hear from others runs contrary to the word of God, then I am listening to the counsel of the wicked. You got that? That's what God's word says. Uh, 
It's a matter of choosing to live outside of God's stated will and the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. So, so I'm walking, I'm with the wicked, I'm around the wicked, my thoughts are flooding my mind with wicked thoughts, wicked advice, uh, but if it's contrary or outside God's stated word or the prompting of the Holy Spirit inside of me, I am doing what the Psalm says, I'm walking in the counsel of the wicked. Okay, you got that? The second verb he uses is stand. Stand talks about a fixed, steady position. I have progressed past walking with the wicked to now I am taking the point of view of the wicked. There's a progression here. Don't walk in their counsel, but don't also stand in the way of the wicked. And now I begin to think like them. I'm being conformed into this world. It becomes my worldview. And so I follow and stand in the way of the wicked. And the third thing he says is don't sit. And look at what he says in Psalm 1. It says, or sit in the seat of mockers. Uh, When you sit, the posture is finalized. I've walked with the wicked, I'm standing with the wicked, and now I'm sitting with the wicked. I refuse to be uprooted, and I remain fixed. And now you even become a critic of God and his ways. Right? Did I, I just read that to you. Okay. Or sit in the seat of mockers. Now you criticize God and the people of God and the ways of God. Now you yourself become a mocker because you have walked and stood and now sitting in the seat of the scornful. Now, now, now you, you say to yourself, and, and here's, here's what's happening in our brains right now. Okay, you follow me very closely here. You say to yourself, why would anybody choose this path? Right? That's, that's the logical question we have. It doesn't make any sense. The answer is as old as mankind himself. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve thought God was holding out on them. Right? All the fruitures, all the gardeners, eat up, take care of it, mind it, it's all yours, but one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat, don't touch, don't eat that fruit. Right? Adam and Eve think, Mm, God's keeping the best fruit for himself. He's got the good stuff. I got all the other trees, but God's holding out on me. I don't have the knowledge that he has, the knowledge of good and evil. I don't have the best fruit. And so the Bible says they ate that fruit. Why? Because I deserve to be happy. And if I'm not being happy, then somehow God is holding out on me. And so I'll eat the fruits, and as a result, death entered the world. Sometimes we think God is holding out on us. And we come to church, and I preach my little heart out. You think all the pastor does want me to keep from having fun. (laughs) I want to go to that church. No fun, no fun there, oh no. How many have had little kids, children? Well, what do you say? Don't touch that hot stove. The kid thinks, oh, there must be something there. There's a sensation they won't be an experience. Your parents don't want you to get burned. 
And when God says no in his word, when he says no to sexual immorality, when he says no to a, a life of drunkenness and, and party, and when he says no to anger and, and lack of forgiveness, when he says no to those things in the word of God, when he talks about the lust of the flesh, it's not to keep you from having fun, it's to keep you from getting burned. Because it will mess you up. You tell your kids, don't play in the street. Know, the street's where all the fun is. It's where my bike rolls the best. It rolls a lot better on the street than it does on this grass. Mom and dad don't know what they're talking about. I want to ride my bike on the street. No, as wise parents, we say, no. We don't want to get hit and killed and destroyed. And so there are times that God will go against your perceived happiness because it's not wise and it will bring your own destruction and your own harm. This, mm, 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 mm. God has a purpose and he always wants to guard what's valuable inside of us. And he will keep you and anything else that will keep you from God's best in your life. He will not sacrifice your purpose for your happiness when it's wrong or unwise. The second way to, to judge whether it's okay to be happy, wrong, whatever, he won't choose your happiness over your purpose when it's based on the temporary over the eternal. When it's based on the temporary over the eternal. Now let's look at verse number two. His delight is on the law of the Lord. On his law he meditates day and night. And so when he talks about I meditate on God's law day and night, there's some things we gotta ask ourselves. Am I memorizing the word of God? Do I read the word of God? Do I integrate the word of God into my daily life? Is the word of God my source and my guide? Because the word of God is forever. His word and his ways are forever. The things of the world, which may be temporary happiness, will eventually fade away. But God's word lives and abides forever. So he says the wise man is the one who meditates on God's word day and night. I'm not sitting in the counsel of the wicked. I'm not listening to them. I'm doing what God's word tells me to do because the wicked counsel is temporary the godly counsel the word is eternal it will last forever and it goes beyond my momentary happiness got it hmm. turn if you would to first john chapter 2 first john chapter 2 first john chapter 2 and verse number 15 do not love the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boastings of what he does not have, what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. There's the counsel of the wicked versus the counsel of the godly, or the word of God. The world and its desires, what's it say? Pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. So how do I know to distinguish which is eternal and which is temporary? The love of the world passes away, temporary. 
The will of God lasts forever. So in making choices of what path I'm going to go down in life, I need to meditate on the law of God, the word of God, morning, noon, and night. Why? Because it is forever. Wow. So often when we don't feel happy, we search for happiness in something or someone else. Listen to me here. We choose happiness in something or someone else. For example, if my marriage is not happy, I will turn to another person. I will engage in an emotional relationship, a plutonic relationship, if you will, or I will turn to pornography, or I will turn to something else to somehow make myself happy. The problem is we have been sitting in the council of the wicked. We have been walking with the mockers. We're sitting now in the seat of mockers when we take that mentality because we have allowed the world to define happiness. And so we watch television and we watch those wonderful Hallmark, Hollerquin, whatever movies there are out there, those romantic comedies, those romantic movies, and they're, they're based on, on a utopia of marriage that is perfect and exciting but it's like watching the highlight reels in football. You see every catch, every touchdown, every score, but you don't see the fumbles and the missed blocks and the missed tackles along the way. And we define our marriage the way Hollywood has described marriage. And so if there's a drop or a fumble along the way, we simply say, I, God wants me to be happy, therefore it's okay for me to move on. So we find someone else, and we think that other person will make me happy, okay? It is important to meditate on God's word instead of running to someone else when you hear the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly. Instead of standing with them in their opinions, instead of seating in the, sitting in the seat of mockers, I turn to God's word. I turn to God's word and I meditate on his word morning, noon, and night. I say, God, what is your will for me? What are you telling me to do? How do you want me to handle this situation? How do you want me to handle this husband? How do you want me to handle this wife? How do you want me to handle this job? How do you want me to handle this relationship? And we run to the word of God because that's temporary. God's word is forever. Mm. In moments when things aren't going well and you're not happy, don't choose another path, choose his path, his will. Now, now here's the reality. God knew that we would get disillusioned. God knew we would choose the wrong path. God knew we would go down our own way and every man would do that which was right in his own eyes. And so he sent Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became that perfect example for, of how his purpose is greater than my happiness. Now let me illustrate it for you this way. Take you back 2,000 years ago. Jesus is in a garden called Gethsemane, oil press. He is being crushed. He is being crushed down. He is sweating drops of blood. He is in agony about what he is about to go through and what he's about to suffer. And he cries out, God, if, if there's any other way, Because this doesn't make me happy. 
The cross is not happy. The thorns won't make me happy. The spikes in my hand and in my feet won't make me happy. And God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But Jesus chose purpose, eternal purpose, over happiness, escape. He's beaten to a pulp. He's ripped apart. He's spat upon. He's abandoned. He stretched out his arms and he hung on a cross and he says, I know you're angry and I know you're frustrated, but he says, take your best shot. He says, I will give up my happiness and my comfort for my greater purpose. And the greater purpose for Jesus Christ is you and me. His greater purpose is us. He knows what you really want. And you want purpose and you want to be loved and you want a joy that supersedes happiness. Mm. And it's all found in Jesus Christ and in his ways. You see, as you delight in the Lord, you begin to move beyond the temporary and into the permanent. Now let me keep, keep reading because it gets great. Verses three and four. He is like a deer, a tree, excuse me. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. And he says, not so the wicked. They're like the chaff. The winds blow away, temporary. Tree planted, permanent. Chaff thrown up in the air, blown away, temporary. They're like a wind, and the wind blows them away. In the end, the Bible says the wicked are lightweights. They're like chaff. There is no real substance. There is no depth of character. They are rootless, they are weightless, and they are useless. That's why the wicked is. He said, but if you choose God's purpose, you will be rooted. It didn't say you will always be happy, but you will always be rooted. And when the storm comes and the wind comes and the trials come, those roots go so deep in the ground, that tree will stand. Mm. I, uh, we, just, we just saw, some of you guys were glued to the TV last week. I mean, you, the ratings were soaring and all the weather reports coming up and let's all flee. And, and, I, and I'm not... The governor did what he thought was best. And so if he wants us all to leave, many of you obeyed and left. Some of you got back already. Some are, many are still out there somewhere hoping to get back. And we took off and, and better to err on the side of caution than to wait too long and maybe face regret. And so he calls an order and everybody takes off and we hear about the hurricane that's gonna wipe out Charleston and Berkeley County and Dorchester County and nothing's gonna be left and we're gonna be swimming underwater for the next month. It didn't hit us, it did hit North Carolina. Now, does God love us any better than North Carolina? No way, no way. God, God's no respecter of persons. So the fact that it hits North Carolina doesn't mean God loves you more than the North Carolinians, the sand lappers. He doesn't, it, it, no. And so they're devastated right now. 
but I have been around here long enough in Charleston through Hugo, Matthew last year, and I've seen those trees when the storm does come, and it bends that tree all the way over, and it goes one side to the other, and it just, it looks like that tree's not going to stand, but when the storm is over, that tree, that roots that went down real deep in the ground, it's left standing. I'll tell you something else about that tree. I will be picking up branches for the next week after a major storm because the storm listen to me the storm is God's way of pruning off the dead branches and so he allows a storm to come he allows a trial to come so that our roots will keep going deeper into Jesus Christ so that his leaves will not wither in any season of life Is it fun? Is it happy? Is, is, it, is it momentary? Is it temporary? No, no, no. But in the end, God is working out His purposes. And we've got to trust in the hand of Almighty God and believe in Him and stay fixed on His path and His way. Ultimately, you will prosper. You will be blessed. You are blessed knowing Jesus Christ. You're blessed not because you have a ton of money. You're blessed not because you have the biggest house in the neighborhood. You're blessed not because you are totally and completely healthy. You are blessed because you have Jesus. And in every season of life, I am rooted and grounded in Him. I want to read verse 6 as I wrap this up this morning. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish there's two ways the way of the wicked the way of the righteous now listen to me he says the Lord watches over the way of the righteous which means I am not held in my righteousness by my own efforts I cannot save myself I can never be good enough it is only by the blood and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and so we have this picture of the good shepherd watching over us, caring over us. And even when I am going through a trial or a storm or a test or whatever it may be, and even when my emotions are not all happy and bubbly and, and excited, I will tell you, God is still watching over me. Because I've chosen to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will watch me and he will keep me every step of the way life can be difficult but God will help me God will be with me God will give me faith God can give me perseverance God can help me through any situation and I will choose but I but I but I ultimately in the beginning have that choice am I going to choose the way of the wicked the way of the righteous the way of the wicked perish chaff blown away way of the righteous. God's watching over you. He will work out his purposes in your life. He has an ultimate plan for every single one of you. Don't get off course. Don't be like flight 007. Choose to follow the Lord and the path he has marked out for us. Now, if you're here today and you have not yet discovered the greater purpose for which God created you, that's to know you and to love you and to give you everlasting life. If you haven't discovered that this morning, you can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and the Savior of your life.
gonna pray for you this morning. If you're here today and you're going through a test or trial and you're not happy and you're struggling, I want you to once again, we're gonna reaffirm our love in Christ. We're not gonna follow the way of the wicked or the, the sit in their counsel under any way, shape or form. We are gonna turn to the word of God and the truth of who he is and cling to that which is eternal over that which is temporal. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.